to become a more permanent church home. And I found notes on 22 different buildings that we invested hours researching, all of which ended up in some kind of closed door or another. And in each of those situations when doors would close, and by the way, that's not an exhaustive list. That's just the number of places that we had notes in this document about. In each case, as doors closed to something that we were researching and hoping for, we would gather back together again, and we would begin the process all over again of seeking the Lord's guidance and asking Him to lead us to a place that could be an epicenter for gospel ministry, ideally in West Aurora. And over and over again, as we would get together and we would pray, and sometimes we would have been thinking about spending a lot of money to buy property or to buy an existing building or to buy a warehouse and turn it into something else or whatever. And we'd come back and we'd start praying again and we'd ask God, God, would you just give us a building? Would you make this simpler and would you just give us a building? So if there's somebody to blame, maybe it's me and the people that I was praying with, Josh. But um, over and over again, we asked and we asked and we asked and we couldn't figure out why the Lord was delaying in answering these prayers. But as Josh pointed out, The Lord came through. The Lord answered. And the Lord has provided not only a place. He's not only done what we asked of Him. And He's not only provided a place for us. But along with that place, He's provided precious brothers and sisters in Christ. To join with us in one congregation, praising His name. He's not only done what we asked Him to do, He's done more than we asked Him to do. He's done above and beyond. And so next Sunday, Easter Sunday, is a new beginning. A new start. We've been talking for a while about this idea of two congregations becoming one congregation. And this morning I was here in this room with the brothers and sisters of Advent Christian Church who have been gathering together for worship for 163 years. Not the people who are in this room, they're not that old. This congregation was founded 163 years ago. And with a legacy of 163 years of proclaiming Jesus Christ here in Aurora and making disciples and worshiping the name of the Lord together with 163 years of heritage and with decades of personal memories Stories going back to the 1950s as people were recalling their own participation in this congregation, some of them for 70 years or more. 
With that, we took the Lord's Supper. And in some ways, from their perspective, they concluded their final worship service as their own congregation. As you'd imagine, it was a moment full of tears an emotional gathering for all of us who were there. But here's the question. Why were they willing to do that? It's not just a matter of things were kind of becoming difficult and they had to explore what options are next. But they were willing to take this step of having what felt in many ways like their final worship service after 163 years as part of a vision of two congregations becoming one congregation with the hope and with the prayer that we can glorify God And make disciples more effectively. And proclaim his message and demonstrate his kingdom more powerfully. That we can do that better together than separately. Which is to say, brothers and sisters. This moment that we are standing at here. On April 2nd of 2023. It feels to me. It feels to me like a moment of receiving one of the most precious gifts we have ever received as a congregation. You know that feeling when you're a child and maybe grandma brings you a family heirloom and sets it in your hands and you think all of us and like all of a sudden your heart starts racing and panicking like what if I drop it? Because we realize the preciousness of what's been placed in our hands. Brothers and sisters, what I'm suggesting is that our new brothers and sisters, the ones that we're just getting to know, our brothers and sisters from an Advent background, they're placing in our hands a very precious gift of a legacy of gospel ministry. And it is a very precious privilege to look forward at Easter Sunday as a new beginning Not only the answer to many prayers of a place for us to gather, but beyond that, an opportunity for a new beginning of moving forward together as one congregation to the glory of God's name along with these brothers and sisters. And here where we stand on April 2 of 2023, there's a passage of scripture that has informed my praying about what's up ahead and that I hope can inform our praying about what's up ahead. In fact, what I want to do is I want to share a few thoughts from this passage and a few thoughts from my heart and a few thoughts that I've borrowed from brothers and sisters from an Advent background, things that I heard earlier today. I want to share with you a few of those things and then I'm going to ask us to take a few minutes to pray together 
about the opportunity that's up ahead. And so in some ways, as I'm leading us through God's word today, I hope that what I'm doing is just giving you kind of fuel for prayer so that we can take a few minutes right here in this room and pray together for what's up ahead. And then we'll take the Lord's Supper and we'll glorify God's name through singing. But here's the passage of Scripture that I want to draw our attention to today. Just a few simple verses in the book of Romans, beginning in chapter 15, verse 5. These verses say, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as God in Christ, has welcomed you for the glory of God. This is the word of the Lord, and may he bless the reading of his word. In this passage, we see two things. First of all, a prayer, and then a practical exhortation. A prayer, and then a practice related to that prayer. And let's pay attention to each of them for a moment. First of all, this passage leads us in a prayer for Christian harmony. It leads us in a prayer for Christian harmony. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another. Why would we need to pray for Christian harmony? Simply put, we need to pray for Christian harmony because Christian division comes all too quickly and all too easily, even in the church of Jesus Christ. In fact, that was the situation that Paul was writing into in the church in Rome. There were divisions that were fracturing the early church. So as Paul writes the letter of Romans, which speaks so powerfully to issues like justification by grace alone, through faith alone, for Jews and Gentiles alike, Paul is not simply writing the letter of Romans only to give theological instruction as if all he wants is for people to be able to pass theology tests someday. As Paul writes this letter to the church in Rome, he has an aim, even as he's sharing things like the doctrine of justification by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for Jews and Gentiles alike. And what is that aim? A great portion of it has to do with calling the church to live in harmony and in unity with each other. To stop judging each other. To stop putting stumbling blocks in front of one another. To stop living selfishly and to care about the joy of others in the church family. 
So here's the thing. Even in the early church, Christian harmony was challenging. And just as Christian harmony was challenging in the early church, Christian harmony continues to be challenging across the ages and right into our world today, doesn't it? If you've been a Christian for very long, then I don't think this comes as a great surprise to you to realize that churches can fracture over things as silly as the color choices of carpet or decorating schemes in the lobby or who leads the women's Bible study or who gets to be in charge of basketball night. Churches can fracture over issues not only silly like that, But churches can fracture over issues that are serious and meaningful. Like how do we understand the ministry of the Holy Spirit today? Churches can fracture over cultural issues. As one group is being discipled by one tribe of podcasters and another group is being discipled by another tribe of podcasters and as we absorb worldly ideas of who can and cannot have fellowship with one another churches can fracture and fragment in issues from silly to cultural to serious church harmony which seems like a goal that we'd all want to aim for, proves proves much more challenging than most of us realize. And therefore, when Paul writes to the church in Rome, he includes this important prayer. A prayer that addresses a need of the early church and a need of the church in the 21st century, a need of the church in Rome and a need for our congregation today. And that need is a need for Christian harmony. We need to pray for Christian harmony because it's challenging. And we need to pray for Christian harmony also because the one to whom we pray is able. We don't just pray to make ourselves feel better. We pray because our God truly is the God of endurance and the God of encouragement. He truly is the God of endurance and the God of encouragement who is able to grant us the spiritual resources that we need to live in harmony with one another, even when we disagree about the color of carpet, even when we disagree about political podcasts, even when we disagree about things like the ongoing ministry of the Holy Spirit, our God of encouragement and endurance is able to empower us with the spiritual resources we need to live in a way that isn't all of us being the same, but all of us being in harmony. We pray because it's challenging. We pray because he's able. We pray with an aim of 
what we might call single-mindedness. The idea in the Greek language in Romans 15.5 is an idea of church members living in harmony with one another, which is to say sharing a mindset with one another. Sharing a mindset about what? The color of carpet? Not necessarily. But sharing a mindset rooted in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Which truly is more important than the color of carpet, isn't it? And so Paul calls for this single-mindedness with one another in accord with Christ Jesus with a further goal. And you see that further goal in verse 6. That together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I think most of us know from personal experience that when brothers and sisters in Christ are living in disharmony with one another, that it kind of saps it kind of saps our vigor in worship. It kind of saps our joy in the Lord. It kind of weighs us down and leads us to feel much less excited, much less passionate about singing the praises of God. Do you also know what Romans 15 is talking about? That the opposite of that can also be true? When people from different backgrounds learn to live in harmony with one another in the church instead of disharmony with one another, the result is that instead of that, the joy in worship being drained, when we learn, as we learn to live in harmony with one another, despite our differences, what happens is that we more deeply and more genuinely and more glad-heartedly with one voice sing the praises of the Lamb who was slain. And this is why we pray. Not just because it's not fun to live in a divided church characterized by disharmony, and it's not fun. We pray with a greater vision. We pray realizing that it's so easy to drift into disharmony. We pray knowing that the God of endurance and encouragement is able. We pray with a goal that despite our differences, we might find unity together in Christ Jesus. And we pray all of that with the aim of glorifying his name more wholeheartedly. This is a prayer for Christian harmony. That God's word leads us in praying. And I want to connect a couple of the dots here and just say, as we're looking forward to the next few steps ahead, we're going to pay attention to some of the details of what we need to learn about managing a building and things like that. But the bricks in the building are not the most important thing. 
people, the relationships, the love for one another, and the love above all for our great Redeemer Himself, these things are far more precious and far more important. And so as we think about church maintenance moving forward, yes, we're going to have to think about maintaining a building, but more important than maintaining a building will be maintaining Christian harmony with one another. And where does that begin? Brothers and sisters, I want to invite you to join me in praying. In praying for Christian harmony to abound for our good and for the glory of God. But along with this prayer for Christian harmony, which we see here, there's also a practical exhortation in this passage, right? It's right there in verse 7. If you're going to pray about things like this, therefore, what should you do about it? Don't just pray about stuff like Christian harmony and then go back to living a lifestyle that undermines Christian harmony. You see the connection? Pray for Christian harmony, for your good and for the glory of God. But don't just pray about it. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. If we're going to pray about Christian harmony, we're also going to need to put something into practice. We're also going to need to put into practice a habit of Christian welcoming. Now, what does this idea of welcoming refer to? Sometimes when we think of welcoming, we think only of a smile and a handshake at the front door. Now, I value handshakes at the front door. Don't get me wrong. But what I want to suggest is that welcoming one another is more than handshakes at the front door. Are you tracking with me? And so in the weeks to come, we're going to need to welcome those of us who are in the room at the front door with handshakes. We're also going to need to welcome others at the front door with handshakes. And we're going to have to work on learning names and meeting people. But welcoming one another is something that goes deeper than just shaking somebody's hand and saying, can I help you find a seat? This idea of welcoming one another is deeper than that. What does it mean? It means to bring somebody into shelter from the storm or to welcome somebody home out of danger. You can see that in a couple examples that I'll point to quickly from ways that this word for welcome is used other places in the New Testament. In Acts 28, we read the story of this great shipwreck kind of storm that Paul survived. So he's on a boat, a storm comes along, the boat gets destroyed, it gets wrecked in the storm, everybody's afraid they're going to die, and yet God preserves Paul's life, and he ends up on an island, and what does he discover on that island? 
Acts 28, verses 1 and 2, after we were brought safely through the storm, we then learned that the island was called Malta. The native people showed us unusual kindness. For they kindled a fire and welcomed us all because it had begun to rain and was cold. You see what's going on here. The people on the island are not just shaking Paul's hand and saying, nice to meet you. I hope you make it through the rest of the storm. The kind of welcome that this idea talks about goes deeper than that. It's an unusual kindness, an unusual generosity, a surprising kind of love that will welcome someone in to find safety out from the storm. Or you can think about how this word is used in the book of Philemon. Tiny little book of the New Testament written by Paul. A fascinating little book to read. In that book, Paul writes a letter. And he's appealing on behalf of somebody who was a bond servant. A very low-ranking member of society. And he's writing to the bond servant's master... Because the bond servant has, has left the master and in the process has become a follower of Christ and has become useful in gospel ministry along with the Apostle Paul himself. But now the Apostle Paul is writing back to the master and saying, I'm sending your former bond servant back to you. And I'm appealing to you to receive him. Not just back into the same relationship you had with him before. But I'm asking you to receive him as a brother. In fact, he goes further than that in Philemon 17. So if you consider me to be someone you are in partnership with, then receive or welcome him as you would welcome me. Here's a bond servant coming home into a place that might feel like a dangerous place. And what's the appeal? That he would find... Welcome home. Welcome as a member of the family instead of danger. These are a couple of illustrations of the way that this language of welcoming is used in the New Testament. And now we come here to Romans 15, verse 7. And y'all, we are called... To welcome others in out of the storm. To welcome others into the household as brothers or sisters as part of the family. Not into danger. We are called to welcome one another in fact as Christ has welcomed you. You know where we can learn You know where we can learn the essence of Christian hospitality? We can learn it best in the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
Brothers and sisters, let me invite you to consider for a moment. How has the Lord brought you into shelter out of the storm? I'd like, to consi- I'd like to invite you to consider for a moment, how has the Lord welcomed you into his household out of danger? I think back on my own story for just a moment. And I grew up in a household where I learned about Jesus Christ. I'm so grateful for that. But many of you know that in my life story, one of the most challenging seasons that I went through was in my early 20s when I was participating in this church family as somebody whose mind was full of questions and doubts, somebody whose heart was very far adrift from the Lord. And somebody whose life generally didn't look all that promising. And yet the Lord hung on to me in that time. Despite my doubts. Despite how far adrift my heart was. And you know how he did that? He did that in large measure through y'all. Through brothers and sisters in this church family. Who loved me. And accepted me. And made time for me. And sat down and listened to me ramble with all my meandering thoughts about things. And listened to me with all my meandering doubts. And then they'd point me to a little bit of truth that might be hope bringing. And then I'd share more about my doubts and so on and so forth. And over time the Lord used y'all. As his way of hanging on to me. As his way of pouring grace into my life. As his way of demonstrating that my salvation, not just my conversion, but the whole thing from start to finish would be all by grace. I wonder... How has Christ welcomed you? I think as we dig deep enough, we all end up landing on an answer that includes these three words. As we dig down into how Christ has welcomed us, it's all by grace. How then should we welcome other people? All by grace. Not on the basis of how similar to me they are. You hear the echoes of the teachings of Jesus that we've talked about before. If you receive those who who receive you, so what? Not on the basis of how culturally similar... Our backgrounds may be not on the basis of how aligned our preferences might be about small things, but all by grace. 
This morning I was here uh, at in this room while Advent was doing their their special service, and they gave opportunities to pass the mic around the room and let brothers and sisters share recollections from their own life about how uh, about how God had used this church in their lives to the glory of His name. And as I listened to story after story, I realized I was hearing a whole bunch of examples of what it looks like to welcome others as Christ has welcomed us. One example came from a woman who shared how she had gone through a difficult divorce. And then one week, her Next-door neighbor who had become a close friend just said to her, you're coming with me to church on Sunday. And she came, and she's been coming to church ever since. And she's so grateful for it. Now, maybe that may or may not be the right approach with you and your neighbor. Let me just clarify that. But, but what's going on there? Here's a woman in a time of real pain in her life. And here's a friend placed by God right next door to her at just the right time to say, you're coming with me to church on Sunday. Another couple shared about a very serious season of serious depression. How the church had helped them to make it through. (laughs) One of my favorite moments was when a 97-year-old woman who's about to get to her 98th birthday took the microphone with confidence and stood up where she was seated so she could look around and see the other people in the room. But what she wanted to say wasn't to anybody else in the room. What she wanted to say was just a prayer of thanksgiving to the Lord. And as best as I could tell, jotting down notes, this is what she prayed. She prayed, Thank you, Lord, for this church And for all the goodness I have felt in it, that even now people still care for an old lady, she said emphatically. It has been a loving experience to belong to this church. And so she said, thank you, Lord. And I was praying silently in my heart. May we welcome 98-year-old ladies. As Christ has welcomed us. Another man stood up and shared his story. And he said, this is the first church that we ever came to. Speaking on behalf of himself and his wife. First church we ever joined. And then he said with um, real sadness, as a lot of you remember, when we lost our baby daughter. And he said, that's when we realized that church isn't a building. It's a family. And it's been a family ever since. There's another sister. I hope I get this story right. Who shared her own testimony with tears in her eyes. She shared some of her experiences about living here in the city of Aurora as a black woman. 
years ago. She shared about how there were times when she applied for jobs and then when people saw the color of her skin, they rejected her for that job. She shared a painful memory about visiting a church as a college student and the people in that church that she visited encouraged her to go and find a church with other people who would look more like her, whose skin color was the same as hers. She shared how she wasn't allowed to stay in the dorms at Aurora University at certain times of the year. That's all background that she was sharing to this meaningful story that she shared. The heart of her story has to do with Mrs. Epperson. She said, I came to this church because of Mrs. Epperson. Because she invited me to church. And she continued, ever since I came here, you all treated me like I was a member of God's church. And then she shared an exhortation that I think we need to hear, brothers and sisters. She said to the people who are sitting here in this room, keep that spirit in your heart. Because when we get to heaven, we won't be divided. Thank God. And then she turned her focus back to the brothers and sisters in the room. And she said to them, thank God that you were here and that you treat people well. And finally, she said through her own tears, as there were tears in my eyes as well. She looked over at Mrs. Apperson and she said, thank you, Mrs. Apperson. And by the way, we know Mrs. Epperson by her first name of Junia. In our congregation, we know Mrs. Epperson as a spunky 80-something-year-old lady who will fight other people for a chance to win a Scooby-Doo t-shirt at a Christmas party. But years before, she was a spunky 80-year-old lady willing to fight other people for a Scooby-Doo t-shirt at a Christmas party. She was a spunky young woman willing to stand up with countercultural courage in order to welcome one another as Christ has welcomed us. And so my heart says, Amen. Thank you, Mrs. Epperson, for your example. These brothers and sisters have given us an example of what it means to welcome one another as Christ has welcomed us. And listen, here's the thing. Now we have the privilege of extending this kind of welcome to them. As we get to welcome them in. Not by sizing them up and judging them and saying, how much are you like me? But all by grace. All in a way that reflects how Christ has welcomed us. 
Listen, this is our legacy. This is our calling. And this is our mission. As I heard those stories from our brothers and sisters at Advent, it reminded me this issue of welcoming one another is not just an issue of how we're going to get along in a church family. This issue of welcoming one another needs to be a part of who we are for the sake of other women in the city of Aurora who right now are going through a hard divorce and who are going to need a neighbor to lovingly say, I hope you can come to church with me this Sunday. Our welcoming one another as Christ has welcomed us is for other people here in the city of Aurora who are going through really hard times, really deep battles with depression and other kinds of mental illness. And maybe don't even have a church home to be cared for in through that. As we think about this issue of welcoming one another as God in Christ welcomed us. There are other 97-year-old women out there who feel like they are absolutely forgotten by the world. And yet the church of Jesus Christ is called to welcome them in and treat them with dignity. And to love in particular people like widows. People the rest of the world would just overlook. This is our mission to find others who may go through life-altering grief like losing a child, maybe shortly after the first time they ever start attending church together as a couple. We need to do this for the sake of men and women here in the city of Aurora from different cultural backgrounds, different ethnicities, different walks of life, This is our legacy. This is our calling. This is our mission. As God in Christ, all by grace, has welcomed us in, so we are called to welcome others. And so here's my challenge to us related to that. This next week is kind of a starting gun for a new race, a new chapter, a new season in the same big story of God's amazing grace. And as the starting gun goes off and we begin this next leg of the race, let's do it remembering how God in Christ welcomed us. And let's do it eager to reflect that kind of welcome to any and all brothers and sisters we have the opportunity to welcome in. Here's what I want to do. I want to invite us to pray. To pray for the brothers and sisters from the Advent congregation who are going to come and join us. To pray for others here in our community that we haven't even met yet but who need the message of Jesus Christ and the hope that's found in him. And to pray that through our unity and harmony moving forward, that we would together glorify God. 
Here's what I want to do. I know it's going to make a few people uncomfortable, and so let me just apologize in advance. But I want to invite my friend Josiah to come up, and they play keys here in a minute. And I want to invite you or encourage you or challenge you. Can you find about five other people to squad up with nearby? Find a squad of about five other people. If it's six or seven, that's okay. If it's eight, come on now. All right. So uh, find about five people or so nearby you. Get in a squad with them. And would you take a few minutes to just pray for Christian unity and Christian harmony with one another to the glory of God and for the good of others who need the hope that's found in Jesus Christ? Let's go ahead and let's pray together as we get ready for this big moment that's up ahead. And then I'll gather us back together in just a moment.